Well, I think we're to be salt and light in the marketplace. And uh, my job is just to move when the Holy Spirit moves and be where He is and connect with those who are right for the picking. And I'll be there. That changed my whole ministry outlook. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd with today's guest, businessman Jim Jans, the author of A Rendezvous with Destiny. I'll introduce him to you in just a few moments. Thanks for tuning in. We try to make it as easy as possible for you to catch each and every interview by archiving this program online and as a podcast. You can find that on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and other podcast outlets. You can also stream the program on demand at firstpersoninterview.com. And you can subscribe free of charge at iTunes and other sources for automatic download each week. More information at firstpersoninterview.com. We're also found at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Jim Jans is from British Columbia, Canada. He's a successful businessman who loves and serves the Lord. Through the years, in addition to business, Jim has served on many ministry and charitable boards. His passion is to help people do more with their lives by discovering and fulfilling their destiny. And he's written a book to help guide us in that quest. The title is A Rendezvous with Destiny, and it's a great book to share with just about anyone. Well, Jim and I spoke on the phone recently, and I began by asking him where he started in life. I was uh, raised in a Bible college, which I think we'll probably talk a little bit about that part of uh, our life a little bit later. But... uh... Believe it or not, at the end of the day, I really didn't know what I was going to do because I didn't feel called to the mission field. So my dad said, why don't you go teach? He'd been a teacher all his life. He said, I said, I don't qualify to teach. He said, yes, you do. And so he sorted out my credits and everything else and and uh, got me into university. And, and after one year, uh, I was in the classroom at 21 years of age in front of a bunch of grade threeers. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no clue how to do it. I'm a big guy, you know. It was really a mutton jeff situation. Um, and uh, I, I, I certainly didn't do well. They ran all over me for the first few weeks until I <laughs> figured out how to grab a hold of the situation. But uh, actually, enjoyed teaching very much. So in my second year, I taught five grade fives and six and had an absolute blast. I loved it. But after the second year, <laughs> a friend of mine came along and lured me out of the teaching profession. And uh, it didn't take a lot of luring because I was making $218 a month. (laughs) (laughs) And said, you know, here's some opportunities you might want to learn, an opportunity you might want to take a look at. I turned him down three times. Uh, After the third time, he uh, took a piece of paper and he wrote it down. He says, tell me what you'd do with an extra $1,000 a month. It was very difficult for me in some ways because I just can't imagine spending that much money. But Mm -hmm. I I was writing it all down. When it was all done... He crumpled up the piece of paper, threw it in the corner, and started to leave. And I said, where are you going? He said, well, you've told me no two times. I'm assuming you're going to say no again, so I might as well just go. Well, I was in the corner pulling out my crumpled piece of paper and said, uh, I think we should take another look at this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where it all began in uh, a career of now, uh, well, 50 years in January. Yeah. Uh, well, I have the sense that you uh, took the business like a fish to water. I mean, it, it seems to I have did. been your destiny, and we'll talk about destiny a lot in the program here today. But you said that you grew up in a Bible college. Uh, where did following Christ come into play in your life? They say that... Uh, you know, being in a in a garage doesn't make you a car, and and uh, being in a Bible school doesn't make you a Christian. And so I was there for, I mean, I heard the best of the best of the best. This was Prairie Bible Institute at Three Hills, Alberta. Yep. 
it was a fabulous place to 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 be from a spiritual perspective. There are other aspects of it that weren't so fabulous, but I was in my grade eleventh year, and uh, I was uh, practicing for a uh, I was a, a pianist, and I was practicing for a big exam, and we were at our fall convention, and those conventions were always tremendously convicting with the preachers we had there, and so I uh, had somehow warded it all off until my eleventh grade. And I got to practicing the piano one evening, and I the, I couldn't see the notes. They were all blurred, and I was feeling really funny and weird. And so I thought, man, maybe I better take a shower, see if this goes away. But basically, I was very much under conviction that I needed to settle my eternal destiny. And uh, so I went in the shower, and I said, God, I give up. You know, hmm. you said if we if uh, we call, you'll answer. Well, I just called. Hmm. So I know that you answered, and I believe you answered. And so I uh, got dried off and wiped the tears off, went in the kitchen and told my mom that I had uh, confirmed my relationship with God and that I had accepted him personally and wanted to follow him. And uh, that was the most uh, emotional, touching moment that mm-hmm. my mom and I ever had. That's a great story. And the course for your life was set, wasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It just, uh, from then on, I had a passion for winning souls to the Lord, and that's really been our passion for our entire lifetime. That's really our our destiny is wrapped around that aspect and that concept. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that question. Describe that passion for me and, and how it developed. I mean, you, you came to Christ as a pretty young guy, yeah. uh, and, but you've had this lifelong passion. Yeah, well, you, you know, being raised at the, at the Bible College, from the time I was like five, six years old, the idea of being a missionary or reaching people and, and concerned about the lost was something that was, you know, uh, drummed into us every day of our existence there. And so it became part of my fabric, and and, and it connected. I mean, there were a lot of kids that were at school with me. It didn't connect at all, but for me it connected. I listened to a reel-to-reel tape by Dawson Trotman, the founder of The Navigator. Mm-hmm. It just moved me to tears, and I listened to it over and over again. And uh, I just knew that somehow, some way, that uh, God was going to use me to reach other people for, for Him. And so... Uh, we had decided that uh, when we reached a certain level in our business, that we were going to, uh, because the business had an intrinsic uh, ongoing income aspect attached to it, uh, that we would uh, go to Bible school and uh, and go in the ministry somewhere, somehow. So when we reached that level, um, the uh, we were at a missionary conference here in Vancouver and uh, deeply moved by the messages and uh, we looked at each other on the way home after the first night, and I said, is this the time? And uh, my wife said, this is the time. We need to make a decision about this. And so went home. Uh, that afternoon, the phone... Oh, that afternoon, the phone rang. Well, no, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the phone rang, and, and a couple asked us to go and, and uh, uh, visit with them. So I went and visited with them. And they uh, needed some help in the business. They weren't even in our organization, but I was helping them with it. When it was all done, they said, why did you do this for us? I said, what do you mean, why did I do this for you? Well, we don't, we're no financial benefit to you and all this kind of stuff. I said, you know, I'm just your friends. So I'm going to help you. <laughs> and they said, where do you go to church? So I told them, they said, can we come next Sunday? I said, sure. So they came the following Sunday, and they came again the Sunday after that. And after church the second Sunday, they said, you know, we've got we to gotta find out more about this. We don't know anything about it. We've never been exposed to this type of preaching, and we need to know what it's all about. Can we come over to your place this afternoon? And long story short, they came over that afternoon and both accepted the Lord. 
So from the platform of business, you found a ministry. Exactly. Wow. And from there on, I mean, a few days later, I was sitting in a guy's room having breakfast with him. Uh, he phoned me, uh, and God was telling me boldly what, what my course was going to be. And uh, we ended up having functions where we had uh, thousands of people and hundreds of people come to the Lord on Sunday mornings at our, at our functions, and we still do those. Jim, on this program, we talk a lot about faith, of course, and calling. Uh, your calling is pretty unique. You, uh, as I said, have that platform as a businessman, a very successful entrepreneur, and yet you turn that around all somehow to serve God. That's, that's pretty amazing. Well, I think we're to be salt and light in the marketplace. And, uh, and I, I, for a while, I, I, I thought that everybody should have the same passion that I had, but uh, Bob was pretty clear that he gifts people differently. And so I got away from that. I said, no, I got to deal with the gift that God's given me and not be expecting everybody to be an evangelist. <laughs> and, uh, uh, that, uh, that helped a lot. And another thing that really helped me is, uh, you know, the Bible says, you know, I-, I will build my church. He said, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, uh, you know, I got to where I was thinking it was all, it was all up to me, too. You know, I mean, if I don't do this, boy, you know, this is nothing going to happen. These people, you know, and I got away from that, too, where I said, no, no, no. My, God, my job is just to move when the Holy Spirit moves and be where he is and connect with those who are ripe for the picking. And I'll be there. And uh, that uh, relaxed me and changed my whole ministry outlook. So from your uh, experience then, just doing what God calls you to do, going about your, your business uh, as, uh, as unto the Lord, and then those opportunities present themselves, you don't have to go looking for them, do you? Ooh. Can I give you a short story? Yeah. Um, I had a fellow that was a, a photographer uh, that was uh, following us around doing our photography wherever we were going, and um, he was at a breakfast meeting that I was at, and I was speaking on the concept of giving and the giving principle. And uh, he uh, came up to me afterwards, and he says, you know, I'm the biggest miser in this town. He said, I, uh, I have uh, never even put a dime in a wishing well. And I said, so how's that going for you? <laughs> <laughs> he said, not very well. He said, I'm always struggling like mad to make a living. I said, well, that's, that's, you're, you're right on schedule. And um, so he said, but I'm going to change this. After this, this talk, he said, I'm giving 10% of this gig that I just did with you, and from now on, I, I'm going to do that and just see what happens. And he wasn't a Christian. He said, well, his name is, is <laughs> well, I better not give his name. Okay. But he, <laughs> he said, uh, I, need to, uh, uh, I, I need to do this. I know I need to do this. So uh, he left, I left, and uh, he started phoning me and calling me, and I was traveling all over the world and not getting back here very much. So it was like uh, two and a half, three months before we finally connected. We met in a, in a restaurant, in, uh, and we were seated right in the middle of the restaurant. And uh, he said, uh, I have the biggest problem. He says, I cannot. Well, one of the questions he asked me is where to give the money to. I said, anybody that needs it. And uh, so uh, he said, I cannot stop the flood of business that I'm getting. He said, I've hired extra people. He said, I can't, I can't deal with it. He said, I've hired extra photographers. He said, I don't know what to do. And he said, what I really need to do, I need to find out where this is coming from. I said, well, you probably know. And he says, yeah, but I, I don't know how to connect with that. And I said, that being God, right? He said, yeah. I said, can you take it straight, Gary? And he said, yeah, I can take it straight. I said, uh, okay, I'm going to give it to you straight. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Are you a sinner? And he picked up the napkin off the table, and he began to sob. He just wept out loud. 
And uh, when he finished, I said, uh, does that mean yes? <laughs> he said, you're bad. I said, I know. <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, do you want to fix it? He said, I do. So I shared the gospel with him, and uh, there we were in the middle of the restaurant. And it was funny. I kind of gave a glance around at one point. Nobody was paying attention to us. And uh, he prayed to accept Christ right there in the restaurant. Went back to his shop and told one of his assistants who used to hold the lights for him while he was doing the photography. And he said, uh, he said, you know, I, I met with Jim Jant today, and he said, I, I accepted Christ into my life, and uh, I've become a Christian. And she started crying, and she said, you know, I'm a Christian. I've been praying for you ever since I started oh. working for you. Six months later, they were married. And, uh, but, you know, it, it, was, it was, you know, being in the way the Lord led me. It's just about being available, being ready, being bold enough to say it. And ask the question. Uh, today we're so politically correct that we can't say anything anymore, and we don't say anything anymore, unfortunately. So evangelism has become a lost art, if you like, in the Christian community. We'll talk more with businessman Jim Jans about fulfilling your destiny coming up on First Person. Next time, our focus will be on the country of Lebanon with Camille Melki. And then I said to Hoda, so what are we doing? She said, Jesus has a heart for Lebanon. And that's where the name of the ministry came to birth, Heart for Lebanon, Christ's heart for a broken community. We'll talk with Camille about his personal story, his work with Syrian refugees, and his heart for Lebanon next time on First Person. My guest today is Jim Jans, the author of A Rendezvous with Destiny. Uh, Jim, your book has been a, a blessing to me as I read it. I, I wish I had read this book decades ago, as a matter of fact. <laughs> it would have helped clarify a lot of uh, things in my life, and uh, I really hardly recommend this to, to young people and old people alike. I mean, uh, tell me about your decision to write this book and, you know, to put down all these, uh, the, this wisdom and these experiences you've had in written form. Well, for years, people have been bugging me to write a book. Because I've been, I've spoken to over a million people around the world, and uh, you know, people are constantly coming up. You need to write a book. You need to write a book. You need to write a book, which is pretty tacit stuff. I mean, when you give a good speech once in a while, people think you got to write a book about it. But uh, nonetheless, I uh, finally got to last fall. There are a number of convergent situations that took place, and and I thought, okay, if I'm ever going to do it, this is it. Because I'm getting older, I won't remember what I was going to write. You know, <laughs> so uh, I uh, I began to. Uh, it out, contacted a guy to help me write it, uh, uh, sort of a small publisher. We did a self-publishing deal. Uh, as I sat down, the words flowed rather easily, and I was surprised at that. And uh, so uh, within a few months, we had it uh, more or less completed, and then just had to tie in the loose ends that are involved in getting yeah. a book published. And you, you take great delight in helping people find meaning and purpose in life, don't you? That, that's, that's my mission in life. It really is. Uh, right up to the point of understanding their spiritual destiny. Mm-hmm. So what's the starting point for someone who's, uh, who's not necessarily in tune with God or things right. spiritual, and, and yet they, they know that their life is drifting? What, how, do you, how do you start? It, it all boils down to principles. You know, I, I, I have a thing that, I, that it has some edgy aspects to it, but I, I believe in principles before people. Because if the principles are right, the people will be taken care of properly, and you will take care of, be taken care of properly. So... You know, when you start off, uh, for instance, from a financial aspect, there's just some basic fundamentals. You know, you save 10%, you give 10%. People say, well, I can't afford to save. I said, if you take 10% off the front, you'll never miss it. <laughs> and uh, they said, well, I sure can't give another 10% on top of that. I said, try it. 
I said, it's an amazing story. I went into an insurance guy's office one day, and he said, do you tithe? I said, no. He said, why not? I said, I make $218 a month, and uh, $2180 would allow us not to even have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the last week of the month. So I said, I can't do that. And he said, this Sunday, I want you to put, he, we have to go to the same church, and it doesn't have to be given to a church, by the way. It's a, it's a universal principle that God's put in place. I want you to put 10% of it. And he said, if you're short at the end of the month, I'll double it. And so I... <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, so, so you believe me more than you believe God? I said, oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so, so I did 10%, and I, I won't, we don't have time to tell the whole story, but two amazing things happened that, that week that uh, uh, doubled our income uh, within 30 days. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, people say, I'm on a fixed income. You know, if, if I give God, it can't bless me uh, financially because there's no place for it to come from. <laughs> it comes from Him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he provides it, and he promises he'll provide it. And you got to grab those promises and say, hey, I'm going to do this. Now, yeah. does everybody that gives 10% suddenly have an influx of income? No. But you got to live with the principle and trust God for the results. Yeah. Now, you're touching on something that holds a lot of people back, and that's fear. And you write about fear in your book, A Rendezvous with Destiny. Talk about those fears that just seem all-encompassing sometimes. Yeah. The fear just absolutely blocks our progress and and stops us dead in our tracks and keeps us from seeing opportunities and dims our vision and does, I mean, absolutely causes us to be petrified and and, and not move forward and make it happen. So learning to overcome fear and, of course, uh, to do the thing you fear the most, the death of fear is certain, uh, a trait statement, but nonetheless very true. Um, It's so important to tackle the thing you fear the most because uh, usually it's just false evidence appearing real that needs to go away. And 90% of the things we fear never happen anyway. If we begin to understand some of those overriding concepts, we look at the things we are fearing a little differently and say, look, I've got to step back here a minute, because 90% of the time what I'm fearing here isn't real anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I mean, you're always positive, Jim. Uh, I'm looking at the chapter in your book, 70 Attributes of Those Who Find Their Destiny, and uh, being positive is one of them, certainly. Being joy-filled, diplomatic, balanced. I mean, I can't read the whole list here. It's too long. But uh, you, you really have learned these things one by one, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah, those are not trite uh, uh, statements that I just pulled out of a hat somewhere. These are uh, what I tried to do with the book before I, before I, and in fact, it was, it's not the kind of book most people write, and it's not necessarily the kind of book that most people should write. Uh, but a lot of it was sort of off the cuff and from experience and from stuff that I've learned and read and taught over the years. And uh, so I just spilled out, you know, I, I didn't go to the thesaurus and <laughs> start to look at <laughs> synonyms to, to, to make that list up. Uh, these were all things that I have experienced and that I've felt needed to happen in people's lives as I've watched and helped people, tried to help people uh, move up in their lives and try to see the best of what they could achieve in their lives. I love your stories, Jim, your stories of uh, building relationships with people and leading them to Christ ultimately. But you got a couple more of those you can tell as we wrap things up here today? Yeah, I was uh, in, uh, getting on a plane in Dallas, and I had uh, uh, ended up in the wrong gate. They changed the gate on me, and you know what Dallas Airport's like. you got to you know, take the train out to the end of the concourse. So I had to take the train back to the, the <laughs> terminal and back out to the end of the next concourse. Okay, I, I think my day would have ended right there. I think I would have given up. But uh, you, <laughs> you, you kept going, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. 
and I was late for the I was late for the show. It was gone. The plane should have been gone twenty minutes ago. When I got there, there was nobody in the holding area except one gal at the desk, and there was one little gal sitting still in the um, waiting area. And so she said, "Mr. Jensen, yes, says, we we are holding your plane. Get on there right now." And she grabbed my stuff, and I went. And uh, I sat down, and I was just you know sweating, and you know just been a, a horrendous deal to get to that gate. So I ended up sitting in the middle of a row, of course, you know, and it was right in the bulkhead, and the movie was showing right in front of me. But I just sat down, and this other little gal came in and sat down beside me. And I said, I thought this plane was full. She said, yeah, it was. But she says, the reason I haven't gone on yet, because I'm, I'm on standby, because I came down here to try to get a job with American Airlines and uh, as a uh, flight attendant. And so uh, uh, she's just bubbling, and she's telling me all about uh, how she came about as a clerk in a store, and she read... Uh, a book by Dennis Waitley that got her thinking, and so she got out of her little job and got down there and, and, and applied for the job. And she said, have you ever heard of Dennis Waitley? I said, oh, yeah, I know Dennis very well. I've, I've spoken with him on the same platforms, and I've hired him to speak many times. Oh, I can't believe it. You grabbed the whole of my heart. She said, you really know him? I said, yeah. I said, uh, what did you, after, you know, probably 45 minutes of chatter, um, I said, what did you think of the spiritual aspect of that book? She said, well, she says, you know, my dad's a Buddhist, and my mom's, I don't know what for sure, maybe a Catholic. And she says, I don't know what I am. And I said, well, I said, would you like to know? She said, I really would. She said, and I was intrigued by what he said. So I uh, shared the gospel with her, and she just, I mean, she ate it up. She just soaked it up. I mean, we were like in a Holy Spirit bubble the whole time. <laughs> there was a movie showing right in front of our face that neither one of us saw or knew what it was about even. And as we were landing in the next port of call, I don't remember where it was, I said to her, do you understand what I've shared with you? She said, oh, yeah. I said, are you ready to make a decision about this? She said, I am. And so right there, she bawled and prayed and invited Christ into her life. And and uh, we were able to, Sharon and I were able to uh, connect with her and send her books and get her connected with the church. She did get the job, moved to Dallas, and... Uh, uh, it was an amazing time to uh, see somebody like that just ready, you know, just the fruit was ready to be picked. And uh, God they gave me the privilege of being there to pick it. And uh, so that's been the story of our lives. Uh, our weekend seminars uh, have been incredible, uh, where every Sunday morning we hold a, uh, an outreach. Uh, we call it a devotional. And at that devotional, we uh, present the claims of Christ every every time we do this. And uh, the net result is that... Um, uh, every single weekend, we see people that uh, make that wonderful decision to become a follower of the one who called us to follow him. You can tell that today's guest, Jim Jans, loves the Lord, and one of the ways he reaches out to all people is through getting them to think about their ultimate purpose in life. If you missed the title of his book earlier, it's A Rendezvous with Destiny, and we'll place a link to it at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Jim also has a website you'll find interesting, and there will be a link to it at firstpersoninterview.com. Take the time to go online and explore the questions raised by today's conversation. There's also a section of Jim's website devoted to developing your financial strategy. Follow the link provided at firstpersoninterview.com. And your feedback is always appreciated online at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Again, that's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, we'll meet a man whose heart beats for his homeland of Lebanon, where he ministers to Syrian refugees. We'll meet Camille Melki next week. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you to join us next time for First Person. First Person.